Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Plenty happening in the world of the NBL, obviously. We're just past the halfway point of the season. Things are really heating up. We've got we've got a hell of a battle between Sydney, Perth and Melbourne for those top two positions. And then you have a look at Adelaide, South East Melbourne, Cairns and even Brisbane fighting for that fourth position. We had incredible game-winning shots across the weekend from Jerome Randall and, and obviously John Robertson's performance for, for South East Melbourne was, well, just had to be seen to be believed. So plenty to discuss on this week's show. The good and the bad of the league. We've got some top teams playing great basketball and some teams towards the bottom having some difficulties as well. So we'll dissect that and a lot more on on this week's show. Of course, we're here thanks to Hoops7. So head to hoops7.com.au to support them and do some last-minute Christmas shopping. But let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host. And as always, joined by Sean Redditch. Sean, a little bit cooler later this week in Perth. I'm sure I'm sure you're enjoying that. Yeah, I think uh, the hottest day on record maybe in Australia, I, I read recently. Yeah. So uh, about as hot as the Perth Wildcats are playing at the moment. And uh, it's uh, yeah, nice to have a couple cool days. We'll see if that affects uh, their performance on Saturday. Yeah, massive game. We'll talk more about it as we get into the show later on. But we'll, I'll touch on it now quickly. Saturday night, RSA Arena, Perth Wildcats and Melbourne United. This one could very much decide that second position because if Melbourne lose, they fall four games behind the Wildcats. I'm not sure if there's enough time for them to, to make that gap up. Yeah, it's going to be a hard one uh, if they lose that one. It's it's a tough trip for them. Wildcats are in form and Melbourne United down Casey Prather four to six weeks. It's a tough uh, blow to them and you just felt feel bad for, for Casey and, and the injuries he's had since he's He's arrived mm. in Melbourne. I guess they'll be hoping he'll get, it'll be similar to their year. They won the championship and he comes back right at the end of the year and plays outstanding in the, in the finals. But, uh, we'll, it'll be interesting to see if they do make some changes in, in that regard. So but a huge game for, for Melbourne United just looked a little bit out of sorts and probably Sydney and Perth are, uh, are playing the best at the moment in tops in the league and, and, and it's showing in their performances. Yeah, I think so too. Um, now, last week's show, we went through our our mid-season wrap and gave our mid-season award winners and also our predictions for the rest of the season. Um, just having a look across the board with other people that did did similar, I think we were you know pretty similar in a lot of our our predictions. One of them that surprised me was our defensive player of the year selection. We both thought Damien Martin was leading that category, but doesn't look like that he's that popular of a pick at the moment across the. Across the country, Andrew Bogut's name's been thrown up. Mitch McCarron's been thrown up. Even DJ Newell's been been mentioned. Cam Oliver has as well. Are you surprised that that even after celebrating his 300th game, Damo still doesn't seem to be getting complete complete love across the country? Yeah, it is. It is surprising, and I I think. You know, he doesn't, you don't look at his stats and he probably doesn't get as many steals, definitely not as many chase down blocks and, and exciting mm. plays from that. From just a pure basketball 
junkie who watches the game, he still has a huge impact on the defense then and the way he's able to guard the on balls and, and worry players into tough shots and and then and then also off the ball, you know, just his positioning and be able to read the play that I don't think many other players uh, can do. And so, you know, he doesn't make as many exciting plays, but he still makes enough game winning plays on the defensive end. And and there's a reason Trevor Gleason has, still has him in the starting lineup for a guy that's shooting in the 20s from the three-point line. He can still affect the game all purely on the defensive end and also, I guess, just with his intelligence and experience on the offensive end, just getting the ball to uh, to their scores. So it's a uh, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, probably because Damo has been so dominant at that defense position and probably his uh, level has dropped off a little bit just in the way mm. he is able to affect the games. But I still think it's at an elite level and you still got to throw him into the conversation for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think the only thing that's really dropped off, and you touched on it, was maybe the, the athleticism slightly. So we're not seeing those exciting blocks. I mean, some of the ones across his career where he's he's run run the full length of the court where somebody thought he was having a wide open layup and he's he's blocked it. Um, some of those have been incredible. So we're not seeing those, but I think he's one-on-one defense on the guards. And I think especially his two jobs on, on John Roberson so far this season have been standouts. So to me, he's still the leading defensive player in the in the country, but we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Um, let me quickly run through the results from round 11, Sean, and then we'll we'll dig dig a bit deeper into into our thoughts on on what's happening across the league. Now, thanks to Hoops Heaven, of course, and I'm sure I'm sure like like me, Sean, you've done some of your Christmas shopping at Hoops Heaven. So hopefully, all of our listeners do the same. But round 11 got underway last Thursday night, and we talked about it on the show, so we don't need to go into it too much. But the Cairns Taipans lost at home to the Perth Wildcats, 88 to 84. And then on Friday, an unbelievable game between the Adelaide 36ers and South East Melbourne Phoenix with Jerome Randall hitting his first game winner of the weekend. The 36ers won 113-111. to And then the Sydney Kings dominated Melbourne United at Melbourne Arena, 104-81. to The Perth Wildcats pretty comfortably, really they weren't, weren't seriously threatened at any point, I didn't feel, beating the Brisbane Bullets 86-78. to Adelaide 36ers with... Jerome Randall hitting another game winner. They beat the New Zealand Breakers 99 to 96. South East Melbourne Phoenix beating the Cairns Taipans 112 to 105 with John Robertson just unbelievable late in the fourth quarter and into overtime. And then Melbourne United pretty comfortably but not overly impressively beating the Illawarra Hawks 94 to 73. So plenty there to discuss, Sean. Let's let's start with the performances of two of the Two of the smaller point guards in the league, but Jerome Randall to remind us all of what he's capable of and to win two games for the weekend for the Adelaide 36ers and to put them into fourth spot was was an incredible effort. And then that performance by Roberson to score 14 points on his own either side of full-time to take the game into overtime for the Phoenix against Cairns and then to end up scoring 21 of their last 23 points to win the game for them was, was some crazy stuff. Yeah, it was the the round of the the mini giants, I like to say, <laughs> and uh, John Roberson and Jerome Randall. I mean, maybe Jerome Randall heard us that that I'd taken him out of the MVP contention. Yeah, maybe. Um, and uh, just wanted to remind everyone, hey, I was the MVP for a reason and came back and played outstanding basketball. And that's what you want your point guard is to be able to have the ball in their hands late in the game and be able to produce. And uh, and uh, to me, that's what great point guards do as well, is they're able to 
uh, you know, get everyone involved. And then when it comes to crunch time, person you want the ball in the hands can go create a play. And then, you know, credit to those guys that did that. I, you know, that that performance by Roberson is one you you won't see. That's one for the ages for me. I mean, just mm -hmm. the, those threes he hit. Uh, and, you know, you can probably thank Jared Kenny for those turnovers. It, <laughs> I was shaking my head at some of those, those passes. And uh, you, you got to feel bad for him in that regard but Roberson credit to him he took advantage of it and just uh, went on a tear and he seems to do that he seems to mm -hmm. really kind of come to life in the second half and almost just is it's just getting his his players involved in the first half and getting Creek and and some of the shooters that they have matched in and then he just tries to take over there in the third and fourth quarter and uh you know he's doing a great job of it so far yeah, just wanted to expand on a couple of things quickly. We all saw the game, the shot that Randall hit against the Breakers to win the game. So it was a fantastic shot, but you would know better than anybody how important was the screen set by Daniel Johnson to set him up because I thought it was a picture-perfect screen and that was every bit as important as the actual shot that, that Jerome hit in the end. Well, and it was yeah, it was very clever by by Daniel Johnson because he actually changed his angle right at the, yeah. at the last minute. So... You know, Daniel Johnson's defender thought he was coming one way and he was waiting for Randall and uh, Johnson said to pick the other way. So just able to get get Randall enough space to be able to rise up and hit that shot. And, and those are the little things that go into winning basketball that maybe the average fan doesn't see. Um, but I, I definitely noticed that just his angle that he was able to set that screen. And, and that, those are the things that uh, I like to see, especially in, in Daniel Johnson's game. You know, I think there's times where he can, uh, he can play a little bit more perimeter orientated, but when he can set screens and create for other teammates, as well as, as setting himself up, it, it's a dangerous and uh, credit to Randall just stepping up and knocking down that huge mm -hmm. three. And he kind of felt like Adelaide deserved that win, but uh, credit to the New Zealand breakers. They didn't give up and, and fought back to tie it so it was uh you know a relief for the 36ers they got that win and really kind of got them up to that fourth spot and, and right in the mix of, in the thick of things at the moment yeah for sure um you touched on jared kenny as well it was it was it was tough to watch those two passes late in the game where where he you know they they ended up being incredibly costly because they were they were they were, they were just two very poor turnovers there's no other way around it um I mean, it happens to every player in their career, though. Um, is he someone that's experienced enough where he would be able to shake it off and it won't affect him moving forward? Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's got enough experience and he's, he's he's experienced the highs and lows of a basketball player and knows that, uh, you know, from game to game, things can change and the team's going to need him, he, you know. He played that whole fourth quarter, so he was playing some pretty good basketball and making some, some yeah. good plays and being solid for Mike Kelly, and that's why he had him in the game. And unfortunately, he just... some big uh, shots, too. Had a couple errors at the, at the wrong time, and then you know Southeast Melbourne Phoenix capitalized on it. So I, I imagine he'll he'll bounce back, and and uh, you know he's there for a reason. Bring some veteran leadership, and uh, he'll he'll be better for that loss. And the Cairns Taipans will be better for that loss. The only thing is, does that come back and hurt him at the end of the season? You know, if they're one game out of the the top four spot, does that come back and hurt him? Yeah, for sure. Because now they they slipped to seven and nine, and behind Adelaide is eight and seven, and Southeast Melbourne seven and seven. So. It was costly, uh, especially because they had the game won at that point. But yeah, I think Jared was playing that many minutes because Coet Noy was off was off injured as well. So we hope that he's not out for too long because we've already got we've already got two other young guns on the sidelines at the moment with with Hampton and and Ball. So we don't need to see another one. The other big talking point from the weekend, or one of them, 
The Perth Wildcats, they're now the hottest team in the league. They've won four, ga- four games in a row. I thought they were pretty untroubled against the Bullets on, on Saturday on the back of a really terrific win over the Taipans on the on the Thursday. Three weeks ago, I asked you if we should be worried about them. Right now, they they deserve to be up with Sydney as, as championship favourites. Yeah, I think that's a it's the spot where they they deserve at the moment. They you know the the way they played against the Sydney Kings the previous week, and then to get these two wins, uh, you just uh, they're rolling at the moment. And what a difference a, a couple weeks can make for you. Your confidence, obviously, getting Tariqa White back and him playing a little bit bigger role. And just getting some performance. Nick K looks a little bit more refreshed and and ready mm. to go. Maybe sometimes a couple from his standard, uh, not as impressive import performances really got him a little bit more motivated. And he seems to be just playing with incredible energy at the moment. So they've got their their top players, and I'll, you got to give credit to Clint Steindl the way he's shooting the ball. He's kind of been barometer for that team when when he's shooting the ball and can provide that that impact off the bench. It just makes the Wildcats so much tougher to beat. Now, it wasn't a surprise that the Sydney Kings bounced back from their two losses back in round 10 because we know what a quality team they are. But I think the way they beat Melbourne United was a bit of a shock to everybody because they they blew them away. They dominated Melbourne and it was at Melbourne Arena and without Kevin Lish and then with Andrew Bogut, I think he only played nine minutes because of foul trouble. Sean Long was in a similar boat. Um, To do it without your two most experienced players just about and to bounce back from two losses, that was a... That was a statement performance on the road from the Kings. Yeah, credit to them. I think that, you know, in previous years, you might not have seen a Sydney Kings team be able to bounce like that back so quickly and against a quality opposition like Melbourne United, who had been playing some pretty good basketball. So for them to get look like Casper Ware just felt right at home, as he should, after all those years he spent at Melbourne Arena and just mm. uh, punished them for, for their defense. And you just got to feel like Melbourne United hasn't found that that gear on the defensive end yet, and they're just allowing too many points. They're trying to outscore teams, and you can't do that on a consistent basis, and especially against those upper echelon teams like the Wildcats and the Sydney Kings. you got to be able to grind out and, and play a little bit tougher defense. So I expect a few more defensive drills this week for Melbourne United, and and I expect them to play a lot better defense against the Perth Wildcats, and I think it'll be a very competitive game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I think so too, and and you're right, they're giving up a lot of points. They're scoring a lot themselves to their credit, but they're giving up a lot of points. I think it's over 95 points a game this season, and they've played one less game than the Wildcats, and they've given up 36 more points across across the board, so that that shows you something of how, how many points they, they're conceding this season. Now, to me, they, they bounced back against the Hawks on Monday, but that I don't think they looked overly impressive. They they won by 21 points in the end and got got on top of them in the second half. But, yeah, it just didn't seem like it was a overly impressive performance. Are you concerned about Melbourne right now? And in terms of Casey Prather, do you feel like they need to bring in an import to, to replace him? Yeah, I do think they need to bring in an import. And and, and, and the reason why is I don't know where Casey's going to be at in four to six weeks. You know, he's had injuries, been extremely injury prone. So you might as well bring someone in, get them ready for the finals. And look, if Casey is healthy and he's training well, then you can bring him back. Otherwise, you go with uh, with who you've got at mm-hmm as a replacement. And so, uh, and as we saw with Illawarra this week, it, it's hard to find those good, uh, 
those good imports that are, are floating around, they're going to come in and be impactful and, and play hard and, and give a, a great performance. So they're going to have to, uh, I think, search uh, far and wide to find, find the right guy. Can they find a hidden gem like, say, a Bryce Cotton, who the Perth Wildcats brought in midseason? We know how well he's gone. Mm-hmm. Or are they going to, uh, or is it going to be more of a dud that uh, that some teams have been able to have, have had to bring out just because there hasn't been as quality of players available at the moment? So it's 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 a tough one, but I do think they should make a change and try and get someone qualified for finals in case Casey's not 100%. Because it's now his third injury already this season and it's a different body part each time, would you be almost thinking about putting him in Cottonwall for the rest of this season, knowing that you've got him contracted for next season and tell him to get ready for the start of next season? Or would you still want to give him a chance to come back this season? Well, I would give him a chance and because I know what he's capable of. You know, if it was sure. someone that wasn't proven and you weren't too sure what he could do come finals time. I mean, this guy's won three titles in the three seasons that he's played in the mm-hmm. NBL. So, uh, you know, he is a winner. He, he is a game breaker. And he's an important piece to that team if they can get him 100%. So there's not many other guys in the league like a Casey Prather when they're 100%. So you give him all the opportunity to get right, but also take that pressure off and try and bring someone in that, that could uh, hopefully um, replace a little bit of what Casey Prather can bring to that team. Now, you touched on the Laura Hawks imports. Um, I was I was really concerned by what I saw on Monday night from the Hawks as a as a unit without the excitement there from Lamelo Ball and I guess even without the experience of David Anderson as well. They look to be a, a lost team. They, they lost by 21 points in a game where... They they just never looked. It was very. There was a very flat feeling about the game overall. There was a flat feeling in the stadium in Wollongong. I felt, and that's a that's a scary sign considering that they've still got seven more home games to go this season. Um, the two imports, Darrington Hobson and and Billy Preston, didn't didn't impress certainly. Um, their numbers are one thing, and they shot a they shot a combined two from twenty one, which says a lot. But it was also their body language. They they didn't play with a lot of urgency. They didn't. They didn't seem to want to play a lot of defense, especially Billy Preston, and then um, especially Billy's probably lackadaisical attitude on the bench in a game where you're twenty points down probably didn't impress a lot of people as well either. Um, I don't think you would have been impressed by too much of what you saw from the pair either. Well, I always think first impressions are so important. And, uh, you know, if I ever have a chance to give some advice to the to the imports and when they come in, it's make that first impression. You step out on that training floor, you're there to do your job, and you're going to compete from day one, from that first drill. And the same thing in the game. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, as a coach, you can probably take a two for 21 performance. You're not going to be happy about it. But if they're mm-hmm. given effort, I mean, the first five minutes I was watching and, and Hobson's just jogging back and Melbourne United yeah. laying the ball up on the other end. And there was no, yeah. you know, you miss a shot, that's fine. But move on to the next play. And so there, there's just those little things. Now, maybe it was the jet lag. Maybe, you know, give them the benefit of a doubt. We'll see how they I'm sure they can't get any worse come uh, their second game and hopefully they'll have their legs underneath them but you're right it is uh, to me it's a worrying song when the the camera rolls over there your team's down by 
12 points with a minute or two to go in the game and you're over there laughing and, and smiling yeah. and, and looking like you're having a good time and enjoying uh, losing losing by by over 20 to, to Melbourne United. So it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's not a great look and hopefully they can have a better performance in game two. And, and I'm sure Matty Flynn had some, some strong chats with them this week saying, giving them what the expectation, if you're going to be a Hawk and you're going to play in the NBL and you're going to try and be successful at the professional level. Now the New Zealand Breakers, they're they're the gift that keeps on giving at the moment with something to something fresh to talk about every single week. A couple of different talking points this week coming out of out of the breakers. Firstly, Corey Webster being released to go and play in China. It's a pretty lucrative deal, so you can understand why he wants to go and go and do it, and I'm sure he's getting paid well and in turn the breakers get hundred and fifty thousand dollars back for the rest of this season and also knowing that, that Corey's back signed to return to the Breakers next season. But he's also their best player. You've talked about how important he is every time we mention the Breakers. He's a he's one of the best pure scorers in, in this league, so it's disappointing to lose him, and it's, I think it pretty much means that they've ridden off the season. You could, could read into that. What do you think about him leaving midway through the season? It's, it's an interesting one, and I can see it from both point of views. I can see it from Matt Walsh and the, and the ownership point of view saying, look, my guess is they have written off the season. RJ Hampton's injured. Corey Webster doesn't want to be there, apparently. He's got a big offer. And and that's one of the things with Corey Webster now. This has happened almost the third time. Mm-hmm. You know, he signed with the Wildcat, then he wanted out of the deal because he received a better offer from somewhere else. Same thing this year when he, he had a long-term deal with the New Zealand Breakers. He asked to be released. They said no. Now he's asked again. He just kind of looked, feel like there's a pattern going on there that he's always kind of looking over the shoulder for the next bigger and better thing and i get that as a you know you gotta you gotta make your money and, and go where where you're wanted um at the time and and china obviously has some some big deals out there and they get a lot of ex-nba guys that come out for you know a good contract and and reason yeah. why they get so many good players so it's a, a great opportunity for Corey webster but we've talked about this they've 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 got to try and build that culture back up to where it was in their championship level and by letting guys come come and go and you're not sure what what's going on. I think it's going to be hard to kind of build that. And let's say Corey Webster does go. I know he said he signed, he's happy to sign and come back for another two years. But what happens if he wants to go away again? Mm-hmm. You know, I just I just think you want someone there that's going to be there and is is sold on, I want to be a New Zealand breaker. This is my club. A guy like Mika Bacona that will die for that the, the breaker's name on the front of the jersey and is going out there and competing day in, day out, not looking over your shoulder for, for the next contract. So it's an interesting move. We'll see how it plays long term. I mean, obviously, Corey Webster's talent is, you, you don't have to question that. He, he's world class at, at, at scoring the basketball. So it's a, it's a uh, to me, it's throwing in the towel for this season. And we'll, I guess we'll have to see how all it all plays out down the track. Yeah, very interesting. Also, very interesting was the fact that they decided to re sign both coach Dan Shamir and also his assistant, Modi Mayor. Um, I don't know why. I mean, they're, they're still signed for, for next season anyway. And I don't think, based on the way this season's gone with the Breakers at 4 and 10, with all of the drama surrounding the club, that I don't think they would have been, I don't think anyone was trying to lure them out of New Zealand to, to sign them. So I don't know why you would sign them for the 2021 22 season already when. You, there's no reason to think right now that they are capable of coaching a team to success in the NBL until they prove us otherwise. 
Yeah, there must be more to that one as well. I was I was surprised at that. I mean, you even look at the Perth Wildcats. Trevor Gleason had won three titles, and he had to win a fourth to get that next contract <laughs> last year. Yeah. So it was, uh, and you've got a coach that's sitting towards the bottom of the ladder, obviously had a lot of injuries and, and struggles this year, but you haven't really seen a New Zealand breaker team that you've been impressed with on a on a consistent basis. So obviously Matt Walsh has some history there with, with uh, Shamir and, and he believes in it in the long-term vision. And uh, it's, it's an interesting move. It almost seems a little bit like trying to sell their idea that we're here for the long-term vision mm. we want. But it also, the actions don't match that. I mean, why do you bring in guys that, you know, with, with the past that they have and the, the, you know, Glenn Rice Jr., you know, it just why do you bring those guys in? If you're looking at the long-term vision, do they fit with that? Didn't seem like it would. So we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of interesting uh, going on in the New Zealand breakers, and I'm sure they're almost like want to get through this season and get to the off season so they can, uh, they can retool and figure out how they want to go about this going forward. Yeah, they've certainly had the most drama filled field around them this season. There's no doubt about that. Another fascinating story, which I just am not sure what's happening with right now, but it, you mentioned it at the end of our show last week. Cam Glidden, he played for the, the Boomers at the World Cup, and I don't think anyone really questioned his selection in that team. I think everyone was pretty happy that he deserved his spot in the World Cup team and he, he played a, a solid enough role as sort of the 11th or 12th man. Um but this season at the at the Bullets, it's just unbelievable what's happened to a guy who has been such a strong, consistent performer in his 200-game NBL career to to have just fallen out of the rotation like he has. In, on Saturday night in Perth, he didn't come onto the court until there was five minutes to go in the half, and and I just couldn't comprehend that. And you understand why he's down on confidence when he hits the floor, and he's playing a little a little hesitant when he's on the court because he he clearly just isn't being backed in by the coaching staff right now. And I'm not sure why, but I've got a couple of couple of numbers here to just highlight how far he's he's fallen down in favour across his 200 game career coming into this season. He was averaging 30.8 minutes a game. He was taking 3.2 two point field field goals a game, 5.5 three-point shots a game, and he was and he scored at 11.4 points a game right across those 200 games. But this season, he's down to 18.5 minutes, 1.1 two-point field goals attempted, which was a, a big part of the things that you highlighted last week, 3.8 three-point attempts and only 6.2 points a game. Pretty much every single number across the board, it's, it's halved from what he's done over his career. It's it's quite remarkable, and and right now we're we're not really sure whether it's a, a physical thing or if he's had a falling out with Andre Lamanis, or we just don't know what's happened. Yeah, I think there's. I think my gut feeling says there's a few multiple things going on there. One, I don't, I don't think he, he might not be 100% healthy. We obviously he missed mm-hmm. a, a game or two earlier in the season, and you talk about 18 minutes a game. I feel like that's higher than what it's, it's been, been over the last probably four yeah. or five weeks as well. So, you know, it's probably lower than that over the last yep. four or five weeks. So it's actually gone down as the season has gone on. Obviously, they've got a lot of guards and and probably not the correct mix match of players in, in the position. A lot of two threes, not mm. a lot of, uh, you know, point guard and in and, and that position and not a lot of four. So it's kind of a, uh, a, a different makeup of a team. And, and probably that's kind of hurting him. There's a few more imports in, in his spot. So limited minutes there 
as well. But I mean, if he was in the Boomers team, which quite possibly was the most talented Boomers team we put put together, and uh, and now he's he's you know averaging six points, less than twenty minutes, um, mm. and then he's in the prime of his career. It's not like yep. you know he's he's going you know, 34 and, and kind of finishing up his career. He's right, right in the prime when he should be playing his 30 minutes. And, and we know what capable, you know, it's not like he's not capable. He, he's capable. We've seen him score 30 in this league and, and dominate at times. I don't think he's a guy that you rely on for 20 points a night, but you know, he's solid. He, he plays great defense. I, I love the way he plays. So mm. I'll be interested to see how the rest of the year plays out. And if he's at, at Brisbane, we know he's under contract for another year. I'm not sure if it's his option or if there's any options there between him and the team, but I'll be surprised if he's at Brisbane next year, the way things are going. Yeah, me too. I, I think it might be the best thing for both parties for that contract to be to be let go for next season. If things continue on this way, we've still got half a season to go. Things could change, but right now it's it hasn't been been fruitful for him and he's just too talented to, to that team where they're six and nine, desperate to try to stay in the playoff race. They they need somebody like him who's a pure shooter because he's probably the only guy on that team who can knock down the three-point shot on a consistent basis. We know that Kadee and Sobe can get hot at times. Patterson can can hit the three at times, and even their, their import Singler and Braun can hit the three at times. But to me, Glidden's the only reliable three-point shooter on that team, so they need to try to find a way to get more out of him. But if he's playing the role he's playing right now, where you're right, I think over, I reckon over the last month he's probably averaging, he'd be lucky to be averaging 10 minutes a game. So... It's, it's, yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch it continue to unfold. But, yeah, that, that's been a big first segment again, Sean, as always. Hoops Heaven have brought it to us. Um, please make sure you, you support them. And it's still time before Christmas to head along to hoopsheaven.com.au to get some last-minute Christmas Christmas goodies. If you're in Perth, head, head along to Murray Street to check them out and also use the special code word thanks to this podcast hustle and you'll get get you a very special discount i'm sure you've done some of your christmas shopping there sean even though i'm sure dylan doesn't need to hear about it just yet yes i have and uh thanks to hoop Hoop seven we should be having a a nice little christmas here at the redditch family and looking forward to make it easy you know just hop on the website and uh it'll be at your door in, in no time so yeah use that Use that code word, save yourself a little extra money, and uh, definitely support those who support us. Now, we'll move into our preview for round 12. Gets underway Friday night, but first of all, we're close to Christmas, Sean. Next Wednesday, it's Christmas. Um, we know how big the NBA games are on Christmas Day. Would you like to see the NBA play on Christmas one day? I'm, I'm not sold on the idea because I just don't think we have the same culture at, to attend an, attend an event on Christmas as seems to be built in back in the, in the US, but it seems to be an idea some people don't mind the thought of. What are your thoughts? Look, I, I could see it both ways. From a player's perspective, no, because I, I love having that Christmas time with the family. Yeah. Uh, but I do really, I, I do think the Boxing Day matches would mm-hmm. be great. And uh, if you could have almost like a full day of, of basketball, similar to they they do in the in the US or even have a two or three games and and make it so they know that that game obviously Melbourne is going to have that one with Cairns this year so that'll be great um but I'd like to see you know there's nothing else on and that's why you know people mm-hmm. tune in to the test matches and cricket and I think they've got a great response over the last couple of years Melbourne with the boxing day basketball 
game as well. So I would like to see a little bit more of, of those if possible, because those are the only sports that are really playing at that time. So you can really get a captive audience. Obviously there's soccer, but I don't think they're, they're playing a whole lot of boxing day matches at the moment. So you can get that captive day. And I know growing up in the U S you know, you have your open up your presents, have a great meal. And then the rest of the day you're watching NBA basketball and, and usually mm-hmm. they put on some good, good matches as well, because I know yep. that the whole country, I guess the whole world is, is, is watching. So I, I think it'd be great for the league and, and another development from a player's point of view, probably don't want to play on Christmas. I do enjoy yeah. uh, having that, that Christmas day, but I could see you know, maybe, maybe one day kind of rotate who plays the Christmas day game, because I think you are going to get uh, a captive audience and uh, you know, people are looking for stuff to do Christmas night maybe go uh, mm. go check out some NBL basketball game. Yeah, I think it would actually be great in terms of television. I think it could end up being the highest rated game of the season, but I just don't know about people physically attending those games in big numbers, but it's certainly worth discussing. I, I'm totally on board with the Boxing Day to, to make Boxing Day even bigger. Why don't we have an earlier game starting in New Zealand? You can have the open-air game in Melbourne and even a later game. Uh, if if Perth Arena is available, then play the later game in Perth or you could play it play it somewhere like, like a Cairns or, or a Brisbane where the weather's always going to be pretty good at that time of year later at night. And a triple header on Boxing Day to me sounds like a like a no-brainer moving forward. And maybe even in Perth we could have it as a, a, an open-air game as well to, to try that out. It's just a matter of finding a way to put a big screen probably up each end of the court instead of hanging from the middle and we could make that happen. So that might be something moving forward that, that might end up working out quite nicely. Yeah, I, I, the one thing that probably makes it tough and it's because it's a public holiday is that just the staffing mm-hmm. of the, you know, the yeah, leasing sure. of the stadiums and all that just becomes a lot more expensive for these clubs. So they want to make sure that they get a full crowd. Are they going to get some revenue from maybe TV from that as well? And and, mm-hmm. and obviously the exposure. So there's there's got to be a. And, and let's be honest, they're working through that holiday period as well. So a lot of them uh, like to have yeah. that that day uh, to spend with the family. So there, there's a lot of things to juggle there. But, uh, you know, the NBA has seemed to make it work. So why can't the NBL? Yeah, well, absolutely. Now let's head, in, head into our preview of round 12. There's seven big games to look forward to. It gets underway Friday in New, in New Zealand, but they're playing in Christchurch. So moving away from Spark Arena, where the Breakers have actually played pretty well this season on their home floor, and they've been getting some really good crowds. So it'll be interesting to see how that transfers to Christchurch, but they're hosting the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So big game for the Phoenix to try to break back into the top four, but the Breakers have been pretty good when they've been playing at home this season. They have, but they've got no Hampton. They've got no Webster. They're going down to Christchurch. I don't know what the arena there, they haven't played there before, so it'll be interesting Mm. with the I just think that there's a lot of things going on with with the Breakers and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. I think they'll ride that win, that, that really unbelievable win against the Cairns Taipans down by six with 12 seconds to go and send it overtime. Just incredible. And they can ride that and, and get a victory over there in New Zealand. So I'm going with the Phoenix on Friday night. And second up on Friday, the bottom place team in action as well. Illawarra Hawks traveling to Adelaide and Adelaide as well. They're coming off plenty of momentum from their two big wins over the Phoenix and the Breakers. Last weekend, I think I think it's uh, the job was well and truly ahead of the Hawks in this one. It 
it's going to be tough. I mean, Adelaide is playing some pretty good basketball. They, they've uh, they've got a good venue there in Adelaide. They've got pretty good support. I imagine uh, getting a few wins and, and Jerome Randall playing back to his MVP level. So I expect Adelaide to get that win. Let's hope for Illawarra's sake that their their new imports come come back and, and have a strong bounce pack performance because you know without ball without david anderson it's gonna it's gonna be tough for them to uh compete on a nightly basis yeah so on on saturday first half of the double header brisbane bullets hosting the sydney kings yeah i just think the sydney kings i think that they're they're playing some tremendous basketball they, they lost a couple but I, as i said in the last show i wasn't too concerned if they got back to playing defense they beat a good melbourne united team and i think they're really pushing to get that top spot and they know how how important home court advantage could be especially if they match up against the perth wildcat in that final so they'll uh, they'll be motivated for that one we'll see if kevin lish can come back from the injury how xavier cooks goes and, and fits into that team but I think Sydney Kings will be able to get Brisbane. Then we've got got the game of the round, Perth Wildcats hosting Melbourne United. As we said on the top of the show, this could go a long way to determining which of the two teams finishes in the top in the top two because the Wildcats are now twelve and five, Melbourne nine and seven. If the Wildcats go to thirteen wins and leave Melbourne on nine, it's probably too far to to try to come back with only ten games of the season remaining. So. Um, we've seen what's happened in the first two meetings of, of this season where they've both been decided at the buzzer pretty much with with game winners for the Wildcats. What are you expecting in this one? Well, I know Trevor Gleeson would be talking about that. You know, Melbourne United are one of those teams that they're going to be competing with come finals time. And if they can get four games up on them, when you get your opportunity, especially playing at home, you've been at home all week, that they're going to need to be ready for that one. But I expect Melbourne United to come out and have a much better performance. We, we saw this a few years ago. They almost got embarrassed by the Perth Wildcats at home, lost by 24. And from then, they were able to rally and really kind of drive their their season and get back into championship and end up winning the championship that year. So could that big loss to Sydney Kings really kind of be a an opener for them and to drive them to, I think it'll be a great performance from them. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm picking the Wildcats in the end. And then on Sunday, geez, it's amazing how, how much this game loses, loses its luster when you don't have Lomelo Ball and Nigel Hampton to to look forward to in Wollongong, Illawarra Hawks hosting the New Zealand Breakers. Yeah, that one's uh, not not a whole lot of excitement factor around mm. that one, but both coaches will be saying we need to get this win to, to really kind of give us some confidence and look, if we can't beat this team, we can't beat the bottom team or the second bottom team, it's going to be a, a long season. So that's whoever wins that, I expect uh, – We'll, won't get the wood or whoever loses it should I say will get the wooden spoon yeah. this year is what I'm predicting and uh, and I, I think Illawarra just the fact that they're at home on that one New Zealand Breakers are going to travel from Christchurch over over uh, to Australia so I think and then drive down to uh, or drive to Illawarra yeah. is going to make it make that trip a, a little bit tough so I'm going to pick Illawarra just the fact that they're at home now this game could also have a big big saying in who finishes in fourth position, Cairns Taipans also on Sunday hosting the Adelaide 36ers. Yeah, that is a that is a good matchup. And I think Cairns Taipans uh, had a, a full week to, I guess, think about that loss to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Uh, I mean, I know I've been in those games where you just lose and you shouldn't have lost and they just eat you especially when you got to wait a whole week. So I think they'll be ready to go. They're, they're at home. They're playing some pretty good basketball. They should have beat the Phoenix 
in that one and, and the way they're playing. So I expect them to bounce back and after Adelaide having to, to play their second game of the weekend as well. So I'm picking Cairns in that one uh, to bounce back after the, the shocking loss to the Phoenix. Now, on that day on Sunday, the Taipans are going to be retiring the number eight jersey of Aaron Grabeau. Um, he's a man that hounded you a lot throughout your career. He spent a lot of time guarding you. He was known as a, a defensive specialist. What are your memories of playing against him? Well, my first memory of Grabeau was actually when I first came out in the country and I was playing with uh, Northwest Tassie Thunder. We made it. We won our league, got to the, that time they were having the ABA championship. And uh, and so we ended up playing the Cants Marlins. We got to the championship, played against them. We were we were playing some outstanding basketball. And uh, and then they put Grabeau, had an outstanding game, played really well defensively on, on myself. Um, especially just just so strong and solid mm. and uh, you know just did all those little things that a team needs to win and, and there's a reason why he was at that club for so long and why the coaches loved him because he was just willing to do all those little things that a lot of players probably one maybe not be good at or two accept their role in that in that regard so it's great to see them honoring you know all the things that he's done for for that team and really kind of sticking with them through some some tough seasons there as well but tremendous amount of respect for for Grabeau and how he went about it and you know an underrated shooter I thought he always mm-hmm. seemed to hit the big ones when when you needed and, and a guy that you just want on your team and uh you know willing to sacrifice and, and play that role I guess similar to like a Greg Hire that the Wildcats yep. would have uh just 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 a glue guy and 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 just a the ultimate team guy so great to see him get his jersey retired and uh yeah i'm sure it'll be an emotional day for him but congratulations to 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 aaron grabeau and what he's meant to the club and and also to the to the nbl let's hope you get to find out what that feels like one day soon too Like it's a, yeah. uh, the uh, it, I'm sure it'll be an emotional emotional day for him, <laughs> and he's uh, he definitely deserves it. Absolutely. Last game of the round, Monday night, Sydney Kings hosting the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. This will be another fascinating one. Yeah, I think Sydney Kings get that one. Being at home, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix has to go to Christchurch, come back, play in Sydney. Going to be tough there. And the Sydney Kings, as we alluded to earlier, they're going for that top spot. So each game is so important, especially with the way the Perth Wildcats are playing. And they're they're right in the mix for that top spot as well. So it's going to be a, a big round for the Sydney Kings if they can get both of these. Absolutely. Okay, it's been another big show, Sean. Thanks again for joining me. Um, This will be our last show before Christmas, so Merry Christmas to all of our our listeners. And don't forget, check out Hoop7 at hoop7.com.au for your last-minute gifts. Also, don't forget to head to Devlin's as well in Subiaco or at devlinsonline.com.au to get some some gifts for the the man in your life as well. And also, ID Athletic, if you need to order up some, some basketball apparel or sporting apparel for any sport, make sure you check them out as well at idathletic.com. So as we look ahead to this round, Sean, and move towards Christmas, what can you leave our listeners with for this week? Well, look, I hope everyone has has a Merry Christmas, special time of year. I know I will, uh, growing up, I was always out in the snow and looking for a white Christmas. Now I always <laughs> look forward to, to hitting the beach and, and enjoying the, uh, the Aussie summer at, at Christmas time. So I hope everyone has a great Christmas and we'll uh, see you guys, everyone, in the new year.
Bye, have a great time.